Today on Lockdown Red Wings, Zadina waved and Bertuzzi is a Maple Leaf. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the Daily J-A-W-W-J News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty's the host over at Locked On Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News and today's episode, guys, we're talking about the fact that Zadina got waived. Uh, Iserman had a free agency press conference, and then we'll finish up the conversation talking about Bertuzzi's move to Toronto and possibly answer the question as to why he went to Toronto. Um, but first, Scotty, big news of the day. I mean, you texted me in the middle of the day. I was at work, and you were just like, wow. And I was like, I what? did not say wow, but yeah, I it was an expletive is what it yes, was. That, yeah. I censored it for a good reason. Uh, and I was like, what? You're like, Zadina. And I opened Twitter and it's like, wow, he got waived. I was expecting a trade uh, yeah. because it was rumored all throughout the draft that Zadina was on the trading block. And we come to find out why. Apparently, Zadina had requested a trade, but no team really wanted a part of uh, the Zadina hype train. So on waivers... And if he doesn't get picked up, he'll be with Grand Rapids. Uh, initial thoughts, Scotty. <laughs> you know, I I, I want to talk about Zadina, like the player and, and where he stands with the organization now currently. And then when we transition over into the Iserman press conference conversation, he was asked directly about it. And I thought Iserman actually gave a incredibly like peek behind the curtain, like actually very detailed answer on the situation. So we'll get to that later on but as far as Zadina the player goes like where he fits within this organization why he got waived etc I mean to be completely honest with you after free agency uh, and and we obviously yesterday's show was jam-packed we haven't had time to really uh, do one of these yet Um, but like for me when I was mocking up lines and 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 like lineups and and rotations Philip Zadina was not one of the 12 forwards that I would have had dress on like where the roster stands right now. And I feel like a lot of people shared that sentiment. Um, Not that it's impossible for him to get playing time this year, even like it's like that. You know what I mean? Like this doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that he's like guaranteed hundred percent, never going to be a Detroit Red Wing ever again. He could make the team out of camp. <laughs> like he could literally get option to Grand Rapids in July and make the team out of camp. Like that, that's a, a very, very feasible thing. If, if he shows out and, and takes some steps forward. Um, but like last year he was, even when he was healthy, it was not a guarantee when everyone was healthy, rather including him, I should say, it was not a guarantee that he was even going to get like fourth line minutes. And then when he was healthy and most of the roster was still healthy, it was a lot of fourth line minutes. Right. And they just went out and we talked about it. They signed, they threw out 10 contracts over the weekend. Like I finding a place for him is just, there really wasn't one. Um, and obviously I also want to make this crystal clear. There's absolutely no way that, it would have been possible to trade Zadina and this be the result. Like Iserman, 100%, you don't, you don't do that. Like if, if there was a, if it was even possible to get a seventh rounder for him, I'm sure that they, they would have 
uh, try to work something out. So clearly no one wanted to trade for him. That doesn't mean no one will claim him on waivers necessarily, but uh, no one wanted to trade for him. And he's getting sent down to Grand Rapids. So like the, the biggest thing for me was it's all, it, it's a very kind of wild instant reaction just because it's Philip Sedina, right? And like yeah. he's a polarizing figure in, in this fan base and whatnot. Um, but as far as like when you look down the lines and look down right now where he kind of slots in, it's not like the most shocking thing in the world that they didn't have room for him. And, you know, both parties thought, well, let's see if we can maybe get you some more playing time somewhere else. Yeah, it's it's kind of a bummer because I've been somebody who's been like a Philip Zadina advocate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all last season, unfortunately, he suffered, you know, two injuries that sidelined him for quite a bit of time in the season only played, I think, 30 games. Uh, yeah, and it's seven points when he did play, so it's not like he was effective when he was healthy. But he's great in transition, and he's great defensively, which yeah, is funny because that's forward. not the player you were advertised when you <laughs> took him sixth overall. Um, but, like, I still believe in his ability to not become, like, a top-line scorer, even, like, a 20-goal scorer, but to have a, a, a steady NHL career eating bottom six minutes. But like you said, Scotty, the runway kind of just ran out for him when you everyone's mocking up these lines, like you were saying they have him as the 13th or 14th forward at best with the Detroit Red Wings. Mm -hmm. And that's just not enough <laughs> to like have him on the roster. And especially with how full this roster is now with a high, healthy Ma Michael Rasmussen, this team would have been at 24 players. Granted, they're not going to keep three goalies. So 23 in all reality, but it just is really, it is really a disappointment to see somebody like Philip Zadina, who was so highly regarded as a prospect, just never really put it together with the Detroit Red Wings and to the point where he wanted out and he requested a trade. And, you know, I'm sad, but I don't think it's wrong. I mean, he even said, fans have been saying for a long time, you know, he might need a change of scenery. Well, we're <laughs> apparently he agreed because that is the sole reason why he requested a trade. He wanted to change the scenery. And then obviously, I mean, we can talk about the Eisman part of the presser in regards to Zadina specifically right now, since we're talking about Zadina, sure. if you want, but like Eiserman talked about Scotty amongst other things, like how he requested a trade and he tried his best to make it happen, but he couldn't find a partner and how that contract that he signed and he signed Zadina to that contract because he believed Zadina could grow still and become good. Cause again, he's only 23 years old. It's not like he's 30. Um, but that contract kind of became an albatross that held him back from getting dealt. Not that he's making a ton of money, but you're paying $1.825 million to a guy who had seven points last year. It's it's hard to justify making a trade where the Red Wings get anything back to begin with or find a, any, a team that's even interested in that. So, yeah, it just is. It, it kind of reached an unfortunate pinnacle peak where the Red Wings just couldn't make it happen. And so this is how his tenure ends. And it's just a dis disappointing and kind of a bummer. Yeah, I mean it, it. It is for sure, and and you know you you kind of mentioned the Eiserman press conference, the Zadina part of that, and and yeah, like Eiserman really drove home the point that like he still believes in Zadina, um, but as it stands right now, they didn't have a start guaranteed starting spot for him, and Zadina kind of wanted to go somewhere where that was a possibility. And uh, he said it's like no hard feelings. He understands. He supports the kid. He, he still very much believes that there's a good hockey player in there. Um, and so we'll see what happens. Um, 
the the other thing is that again i'll reiterate what i said at the beginning this doesn't guarantee the the end of the road it, it certainly makes it uh a lot less likely uh that that he's gonna come here but like eiserman even said you know he, he was point blank asked like if he clears waivers is he just gonna like go to gr or whatever and eiserman was like yeah couldn't find a trade partner can't imagine i'm gonna magically find one after he goes down to grand rapids if he goes to if he clears waivers He'll be on the Griffins, and uh, he's under contract, so there's nothing either of us can do. He'll be playing for us, and so yeah. that you know, there, there's no, you know, there, there was no like beating around the bush really with like all of this. It was it was pretty uh, straightforward, and I, I really appreciated that part of the presser. But yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a, an unfortunate situation, um, but. I don't know that chain of scene change of scenery could just be, uh, you know, the AHL for a little bit. And then I don't know, like I, I'm never expecting him to be a, a, a 30 plus goal scorer at this point at the NHL level, probably, you know, 25 or more is probably at this point, pretty uh, unobtainable. But like, I, I still believe that well, I'm with you. I, I still believe with how well he skated and played in, in, in the neutral zone in transition, I, I still believe that there's a, a at least a solid like bottom six forward at the NHL level in there. Yeah, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Steve Eisman basically also say like as you know because if he goes to Grand Rapids, like the door is still there for him to continue playing with the Red Wings if he earns that spot, something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think I I might have said something like that at the beginning too. But yeah, he literally said like he can make the team out of camp. <laughs> yeah, like he could literally like he, he can go in and and like he'll if he goes to Grand Rapids, he'll certainly be invited to training camp. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he, he will just like everybody else that's that like doesn't have a guaranteed spot on the roster will be in the mix. And and yeah, he he 100 percent like he he he'll, he'll you know, didn't say it was likely or whatever, but because <laughs> I mean, clearly this move doesn't happen if that is. But, that you know, it, it just the. The timing of having it happen on July 3rd is is the part that was not alarming, but like really stood out to you where it was like, OK, like clearly they are. At, a, at an impasse here because that that's not a move that you like have to make in early July if you don't really want to. Absolutely. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to go through the rest of the Esmond press conference, things that kind of stood out to us that are worthy of note. Cause this is a little bit more, I feel like a little bit more of a candid Steve Eisman than we're used to seeing yeah. uh, in this press conference. But first I got to talk to you guys today about FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200. You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB, then FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to say to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official betting partner of Major League Baseball. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are talking about the Eisman press conference. Now, Scotty, you were able to see it and take notes on it. I kind of half paid attention because I was at work. Well, it happened because I still had to work on Monday on like half the nation, apparently. Uh, kind of take us through and tell me a little bit about what some of the most notable moments. I mean, obviously, I saw on Twitter some of the things that were said, but, you know, really walk me through that and let me know what your thoughts are, man. Yeah, well, I, I think 
the, like you said, I, I appreciated the uh, the transparency throughout it. Like we talk all the time that Iserman's a really big like a liar, b like GM speak person sometimes. Uh, and I feel like this was really, really kind of blunt and straightforward, and I appreciated that. Um, I think one of the first things that jumps out at me of uh, like big moments was that he flat out admitted in front of everybody that they need more goal scoring, like still, even after the moves that he made. Um, and I, I forget who asked, but uh, one of the reporters in the room asked him, a, you know, compared, we had done something similar uh, during the playoffs when we kind of looked at, you know, where the playoff teams are roster wise and compared and contrasted them to the Red Wings. And we had talked about the, the Hurricanes and the Knights specifically and how, they are like kind of the exception to the rule. And they're one of the few teams that don't have like, you know, that elite, elite, elite goal score on it. But they have, you know, 10, 15 dudes that can all score 10, 15 plus goals. Right. And uh, so Iserman kind of went down that a little bit and explained, you know, that uh, they're the way that he put it actually was a he again admitted that they wanted wanted still and needed more goal scoring at the top but did say that uh one of the things that he's expecting this fall was a continued growth in goal scoring just down the roster he says that he expects like players like Bergeron to take another step forward with goal scoring like I think Valeno might have been cited um and, and just kind of like went down the line of uh most of the young talent kind of in that bottom six and I mean, like even like Raymond, obviously we want to, we want to see an uptick in goal scoring from him. Like he kind of just went down the line and it, cited Robbie Fabry return for a full season. Like of all these guys that, you know, like he's expecting more goals scored from then. And, and he did admit like, there's still probably a gap between where they are currently as a roster, as far as goal scoring and where they want to be. He, he openly admitted that there was a gap there and that they wanted to still probably get better in that department. But hearing it from him and he hear like, okay, we're not losing it. Like we're, we, we know that like, like, yes, that is a huge team need currently. And even after free agency, he is not just like, oh yeah, we got like a little bit more goal scoring down the roster. So like, we're good. Like hearing him even at oh, 24 hours after signing 10 dudes still admit they want to still improve in goal scoring was nice to hear. Yeah. And I think that kind of talks that kind of touches on one of the questions that I had regarding the free agency in general as to like, what's the direction, what's the plan yeah. here? Because during the draft, he spoke so much about how, you know, this core isn't there yet. This team isn't there yet. That's why he's not making big moves, blah, blah, blah. Then he goes on and signs 10 guys and spends the most money in free agency out of any team, I believe. So it, it, it confused me, but then listening to him talk and hearing him say that like it made sense because Team Friday Saturday's team is better than Friday's team. Like the sign signatures that he made, the acquisitions he got made the team better, made the team deeper. And I think it's the bottom six and the bottom, you know, two pairs on defense and four, uh, bottom two pairs on defense all got better because of the signings that he made. And better equals more goals and less goals against. So, like, when he mentioned that, and somebody, like you said, asked about Carolina, Vegas, Seattle, blah, 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 the teams that don't have huge goal scores but still can make impressive runs to the playoffs and even deep into the playoffs to even host a Stanley Cup, in Vegas's case, 
it made more sense that that could possibly be, be <clears throat> the approach that this team is taking because you're right. They just don't have that goal score. So like when he said that, I was like, that makes sense that maybe he pivoted to try and make a, <clears throat> a really deep team instead of like a high goal scoring team. But of course, like you said, he still expressed that need for a goal scorer. And I believe he even said he's going to continue to try to get that goal score. So that means that while he had kicked some tires during the draft, he's not done kicking tires yet. And that is a little nice to hear that that's still something he believes the team needs. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think both of those points you just brought up, I think are, are good discussion points. I, I think that um, the part about the approach to this free agency, I think he had to play what, the class allowed there wasn't that out there there wasn't a guy that you could just break the bank for and get 40 goals out of this year there was guys like that last year and there's going to be guys like that next year right next year's free agency class is really good so this free agency just kind of like the the ugly duckling of of this like three-year stretch of, of free agency classes That's really your only option. If you were going to get better, it was going to be depth. And we had a ton of players leave that had depth roles. So like the, the, the top lines and the top pairings and the, and the top six and whatever of this team did not get very much better, if better at all, but the bottom six and the bottom four got not only a little better, honestly got substantially better. At least we can say on, on July 3rd, right? Like I, I think they took major steps in the right direction there. Um, and you know, you have prospects that are finally ready to kind of like on the verge of making, uh, the, the NHL. Like, I I think that he kind of just had to play the cards that were dealt to him. And, and this summer, that was what you do. So if you look at it in more of a two-year plan than a one-year plan, okay, this year's free agency, there's a lot of players that can be really, really good, you know, middle of the rotation, like solid players on a, on a good team. So we're going to acquire all of them this summer. And then next summer, when free agency has a much better top-end, like, star talent class and goal scoring, obviously the arguably best goal scorer in the NHL, right at the top of next year's class, then we will try to acquire that top-end talent next year and kind of look at this as a, as a I don't know, like a, like a 20-month plan instead of a three-month plan. You know what I yeah. mean? I, I think that that might be the approach. And then to your point – he also, that was the next thing I was going to bring up, did say that uh, there probably wasn't any more like top-end goal scoring that was going to be out there in the free agent market, obviously. But he openly admitted that if a trade, and he said the word trade, uh, like kind of came to fruition that would allow them to acquire a top-end goal score, that he would absolutely entertain it and, and that they would continue trying throughout the rest of the summer to add goal scoring. So like uh, it's also, like you said, it's nice to hear that like there is still an active attempt being made, whether it's GM speak or not throughout the rest of the summer to go bring in more top end goal scoring. Cause that is, I think at this point, probably the team's biggest need. Correct. Uh, we're going to take another quick break. And when uh, we return, we'll finish up our thoughts on the Eisman press conference. And then we'll talk a little bit about Tyler Bertuzzi to Toronto and why maybe that happened. So stay tuned to segment three of lockdown Red Wings. 
Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty, what else of note stood out to you in the Eisman press conference? Um, I think, honestly, I think those were the, the big three. Um, I mean, he talked about uh, some of the players individually that he had uh, that that he had signed over the weekend. Obviously, um, talked. I mean, a couple of them, Comfer especially. I mean, clearly that was the the bigger money one. But he he yeah. expressed that that's somebody that they've had their eye on. He said for years. <laughs> so like clearly, when you when you're talking about like bringing in like your guy, like that's somebody that they had circled. They knew when he was going to hit free agency. They knew that they wanted him. Uh, and and apparently was a really big fan of uh, his game and and his fit within the current Red Wing system. So that was kind of cool to hear. Just like, hey, we they definitely didn't just pass out money for no reason. That was like Steve Eiserman's guy, apparently. Um, was so, strong too, didn't he? Yes. Yep. For sure. Uh, talked about uh, Ghost a little bit as well, Ghost Bear. And uh, and said that that was a, a situation. Oh, I, I guess that's kind of a thing. Just talked about adding right-handed D men yeah. in general. He had uh, an mo, <laughs> right? Yeah, and and uh, talked about uh, again. Like it's it's just it's really refreshing to just like everything we've been kind of speculating and like giving our opinions on. It's really refreshing to hear the dude in charge be like, "Yes, that is correct." Obviously, <laughs> we need a right-handed defenseman, and that's what we went out and. And tried to get and and uh, yeah, like openly admitted, like yeah, you know the ghost pair thing. It's a one year kind of prove it thing for him. Uh, uh, and I, I think he even might have said something on the lines of like he probably won't be here long term, just because like if he does well, he's going to get big money. But yeah, um, like that was a uh, uh, something that for this year that they were very willing to do, obviously. So um, yeah, really nice. I, I think the biggest thing throughout the entire thing. I mean, we talked about it before the break there, but the biggest thing for me was just. Continuing to hear the, the, especially with kind of the drama that's going around Toronto. And I guess we'll talk about that a little bit more with the Bertuzzi thing, but uh, like they could potentially, I guess, maybe <laughs> be looking to move some goal scoring. Um, so like just hearing, you know, like Iserman, whether it's, you know, a top end player like that or not, like Nylander or not, just hearing him say, you know, we're, we're not done trying to add goal scoring just because free agency is over and there's no one really out there right now anymore that can help in that regard, uh, that a, a trade possibility is a possibility with this team for the next month or so still. Yeah. I believe ghost despair himself is actually a left shot, but I think Eisman said his usage at mm. five on five was 50% on the right side. Right. He can Correct. play both sides and you have, so then you have cider hall, which Whatever your guys' thoughts on Hall is right side de defenseman at the very least, which is a huge need. Yeah. Um, Ghost Despair can play right side. Chirac can play right side. Uh, so I mean, like you got now you, you have, have a lot guys. more flexibility there. Yes, exactly. Whether it's penciled in or not, like whether you know who's going to be on the right side every given night, you know, whatever. Like I, I guess you can call that frustrating, but like you actually have the ability to kind of rotate through and put you know, play matchups maybe or, or, or whatever you want to do, whatever the numbers say on any, any given night. And let's be honest, guys. I mean, as much as you might not like the whole, uh, you know, signing Hall ghost despair, um, is an upgrade over Osterley and Hague. Like that's just unfortunate. That's fact. So the defense got better. The bottom six got yeah. better. The team's better. I don't know about competing for the playoffs. We'll have to see how this a little team more physical gels. too, which more I, physical, I appreciate. I mean, Hall we talked about, but, um, 
Also, uh, also the trade that was made brought in some, some yes, Costin. Yeah, I mean that's you know that that'll add some some chippiness to the bottom six as well. So. Christian Fisher as well. Yeah, uh, Fisher, big time, and he's a good PKer. Um, I had a friend, but uh, I had a friend text me say that he, even though Cap Friendly had him listed as a listed as a left wing right wing, uh, that he actually plays center, Christian Fisher. So we'll have to yeah. wait and see how that pans out. But um, yeah, I think the team overall is better. I don't know about competing in the Atlantic Division and making a playoff spot unless you know in year two of the alone everyone fits in the system and we get a Seattle type s- season. Well, but yeah, that'll be a. I don't, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're like, good. I'm done. That'll be uh, you know, as we get closer to to preseason and whatnot i think that'll be a discussion we have more and more just about expectations because again the depth objectively got better like it's not even close like the you know the 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 middle six or bottom six of the forwards got better and the bottom four defensive pairings got miles better right like you 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 objectively improved there a boatload backup goalie as well um and so is that enough to take a really big step forward? Like, you know, I, there's a there's a lot of questions there, but I also think that for me, the biggest thing is going to be how big of a step forward do does the young core actually take? If you get a much better depth performance and much better depth production, rather, from those players throughout this season and Cider and, and specifically Raymond take a big step forward in year three, then I think you could be talking about it. But if, if you know, the, the top six kind of maintains their production from last year and you're just getting better production from third and fourth line, maybe not. So that'll be a conversation we definitely have as, as uh, you know, September gets closer for sure. Yeah. I'm like, I'm trying to really quick, like look up uh, the Red Wings, like this, this, their um, roster from the final day of the season. Cause I want to be like, like, this is what your team was in that final game. And this right. is what your team looks like. Obviously like injuries and trades have happened at that point, but like the final game of the season, you know, you're looking at a situation where the Red Wings, this is the wrong team. Come on now. Stupid ESPN. Sorry guys. Trying to do things on the fly. <laughs> no, um, but it's, I, that that's really what, again, like I truly believe that this is, this has the potential to be kind of like a, a, a two off season plan and not that they have like, you know, two off season plan, like pinned on their, like, you know, like chalkboard or anything. But like, I, I think that this could be a, a situation where like, this is the pretty much, I don't want to say the best you could do, but like th- this was uh, what you could address this off season uh, just in the market, right. Yeah. Trades aside. And then I next off season, maybe you can, uh, you can address the top end talent a little bit more. I give up on the thing I was trying to do. ESPN.com was giving me uh, fights. Point being, even without the a lot of me listing names off, a lot of turnovers, a lot of turnover. Tyler Bertuzzi, former Red Wing, traded away at the deadline to Boston. One year deal to the Toronto Maple Leafs for what? $5.5 million? Yeah, yeah $5.5 five, million. Five, five. Well, that certainly didn't turn out the way he had planned. Um, right. So my question, I guess my not my question, but I, I feel like Red Wings fans might, and I haven't seen this, so I'm assuming here, and you know what they say about assuming, but I feel like Red Wings fans might look at the contract he signed and go, why didn't the Red Wings do that? Like the Red Wings could have done that and gotten Tyler Bertuzzi back. The reason why the Red Wings didn't do that is because when the Red Wings were in conversations with Tyler Bertuzzi about a contract extension, he wanted term. And I'm talking 
seven, eight years. He wanted seven years. Yeah, seven years in the open market, eight years if it was like with the Bruins who retained him or the Red Wings who would retain him. They didn't want to do that, especially for the number he wanted, which was 5.5 or north thereof. So he hit the open market. The Bruins didn't want to do it either. They wanted him on a shorter term. He didn't want the shorter term. I think it was five years the Bruins might have offered him. Um, and he said, no, I want like a long-term, long-term deal. Overplayed his hand. Uh, nobody wanted him on that term. I don't blame them, even though he has the potential to score 30 goals. He's a phenomenal playmaker who plays with a little bit of physicality, a little bit of edge, not too much physicality, but enough. Um, he's a stir. He's a stir, but he was injured twice last year. He's had injury problems throughout his career. I don't blame teams for not, especially off of a season where he came off two broken hands, not taking him on a huge long deal. That's a giant gamble. So by the time he realized this, he and had to pivot to a short-term deal, the Boston Bruins door reportedly had already closed. They had already filled up. They got Milan Lucic, guys like that. And the door for their cap space had already closed. So he made what I think is a really smart decision and signed a one-year deal with Toronto to bet it all next offseason because, and I think I mentioned this on yesterday's episode, Toronto, with the media market it is, can either overhype or overhate guys. And if he's playing on a line with Austin Matthews as Austin Matthews' playmaker, and he'll benefit from being with Austin Matthews, obviously, I mean, he could have a career year and absolutely secure a seven-year bag in a next year's free agency. I think... That pivoting to that one-year deal and going to Toronto is a genius move for Tyler Bertuzzi's own future's sake. Yeah, well, obviously the team you just touched on, you know, the the, the choice of, of what team to go to is is obviously a big factor there. But the the kicking the can down the road to next year in general is smart. Uh, the cap is going to go up again, and it's a significantly better class. Yes. So, like, you are talking about a market that is going to be significantly significantly more player friendly next summer than this year. And so, yes, like a lot of people are laughing at him and, and, you know, kind of clowning on him for this whole situation where he wanted, you know, like seven or eight, then he was, you know, down to five. And then now it's like one and uh, you know, like whatever to, he clearly that, he did not have the ability to to sign for that long anywhere or else he probably would have taken it. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think the biggest thing with him is like, it's not rocket science. I'm not telling you something you don't already know. It's just, can he stay healthy? If, if the dude plays 80 games, I have zero doubt that playing in the top six, even if he's not on the top line if playing in the top six in Toronto he's going to put up a phenomenal season. If he plays 80 games, I have I'm, zero yeah. doubt. I mean, his career year, 68 games played with Detroit last year, or I guess two years ago now, he had 62 points. Yeah. That was with the Red Wings. Like, if he's healthy for full 82 playing in Toronto, it's a 60-point minimum out of him. Like, minimum he ties his career high, I think. And again, like, he's going to get paid next year. Right, and he's the kind of, like, his play style is just so, like, teams love it. Like, the Mm -hmm. players that he plays with, every single person who's ever played with Tyler Bertuzzi absolutely loves him for a reason, right? Like, he... He does all of the dirty work that that isn't flashy and and, and whatnot, and and a lot of his goals are kind of just like shovings in front of the net. But that when you can do that thirty times and be a a really a big presence, a great playmaker, 
do that dirty work that, you know, some of the higher salary guides not only don't want to do, but are kind of steered away from doing. Uh, he, he brings so much value to any offense. And that's the other thing that's great about Bird. And, and we said this when he was still here. Bird's a guy that you can play on the fourth line or the first line, and you're going to get the exact same production. Like, he, he he fits into any personnel group, any line. It does not matter. Um, he's he's phenomenal. And, and yeah, I, if he plays 80, right, he, he's going to get paid next offseason because it's going to be a much more player-friendly market, a much more uh, free-flowing, like, money market. Uh, and he's probably going to put together a – dang good season it, it mm-hmm. just all comes down to can he stay healthy playing the way that he does uh and that's been the question ever since he broke into the league has never once played a full 82 game season the closest he ever got was 73 games in 2019 so that's going to be he gets paid if he plays 75 right like he um, doesn't even need to play 82 but it, like i mean most of most of his seasons are like 65 and less mm-hmm. it's tough all right, Scotty. Uh, any final thoughts, man? No, we ball. I thought this was a good episode. I thought yeah, was uh, I thought this was a, a fun conversation. Obviously, going forward, we'll kind of start breaking down. We'll actually kind of slowly transition into previewing this fall, which it's crazy that we're already, already there. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be back with a new episode tomorrow. Stay tuned for that. Same time, same place. See your team every day. Every day.